Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. I do want to encourage you to check out our other podcast, and today I'm going to focus on one I haven't in a while. It's the Old Time Radio Superman Show. I recorded the Old Time Radio Superman podcast over a period of about 10 years, more than a thousand episodes. And then a few months after I finished, the uh, host had an error and lost about 70% of the episode. The good news is that I had backups. The bad news is that it was a very tedious process to actually start backing it up. But finally, I've uh, started to restore the podcast. We have the last 320 episodes available to listen, plus uh, a few scattered uh, episodes, uh, and we're continuing to work on uh, rebuilding. Uh, So if you're into Superman, do check this out, and I'll be re-adding generally about two episodes a day for the foreseeable future. So go to the Old Time Radio Superman Show. You can find find it uh, wherever uh, podcasts are listed check it out you can also check out amazing world of radio at amazing.greatdetectives.net our world war ii podcast the war.greatdetectives.net and also the video version of this podcast at videotheater.greatdetectives.net well today we're going to get into o'hara and i'm indebted to the late stuart wright for being able to get any information on this series there are only two episodes out there but the information that's out there is often uh, regarding these episodes is often conflicting o'hara starred our old friend jack moyles of Rocky Jordan fame. And there were actually three different runs of the series, two that starred Moyles. This, by the way, going back to Rocky Jordan, answers an interesting question because a lot of people wondered why you had George Raft as the lead in the 1951 Rocky Jordan. Well, uh, Jack Moyles was doing O'Hara, which, like Rocky Jordan, aired on CBS West Coast. The series began in April of 1951 and ran for 26 episodes. O'Hara was a foreign correspondent for a newspaper based in Hong Kong. This episode is often labeled by collectors and such as an audition, but uh, it actually is the 16th episode of the series aired, Uh, with an original air date of July 22nd, 1951, and the title is The Judas Face. O'Hara! Transworld News, San Francisco. I'm forwarding herewith the most unusual story I've run across in 15 years of reporting. 
You may think it belongs in the Sunday supplement. I think it deserves the front page. Details follow. Signed, O'Hara. CBS brings you O'Hara, starring Jack Moyles. The adventures of a freelance foreign correspondent in the far places of the world. Tonight, O'Hara cables from Hong Kong, a story titled... The Judas Face. It was morning in my room at the Hotel Far East, and my back was stiff. All night I'd slept under the slowly revolving blades of the ceiling fan. Now the morning sky outside was burning with a gas-blue flame. Monsoon weather. I was standing, sweating, looking through my single outside window down into Sing Wong Street, wondering whether to shave or put my clothes on, when I saw something interesting below. It was His Majesty's resident commissioner of the constabulary, Sidney I.E.R. Phelps, being pulled by in a rickshaw. Sidney rarely uses a rickshaw, and he didn't glance up at my room window as he usually does. I shaved fast, dressed, and hurried down to his office at 1010 Regimental Road. You're bleeding. Bleeding? Where, Sidney? The lower face. Oh, must have cut myself shaving. Is it bad? No. Hurrying on so sultry a morning, O'Hara? Oh, just like you. I uh, saw you pass my room in that rickshaw a few minutes ago. If Sing Wong Street were wide enough for my car, it wouldn't have been necessary for me... What brought you that way? Business? An impertinent question. But since you ask it, allow me to counter with one of my own. Please do, Sidney. Please do. O'Hara... Of the two millions of persons now living in Hong Kong, how many do you think are named Calhoun? Calhoun? Ah, you got me. There are three legitimate families in Hong Kong named Calhoun. Oh, that's interesting. And someone, a man, has been annoying these families, Calhoun, with anonymous telephone calls. What's a man say? Just, hello, Mrs. Calhoun. And if a man answered... Wait a minute, Mrs. Calhoun. I was wondering how long it would take you to recognize the name... Sure, Mrs. Calhoun, that strange little woman who hangs around the waterfront. I did a feature on her once. In which you pictured her as something of a nefarious woman wasting her life in Hong Kong. Oh, is that the way you read it? I didn't think I wrote it that way. Uh, how was Mrs. Calhoun this morning? Why, I... Sidney, that's obviously what you were doing in St. Wong Street. Well, Mrs. Calhoun wasn't home. She evidently hadn't been all night. Hmm. Just a moment. Yes? Yes, go ahead. Put him on. O'Hara, one of the calls. Oh, yeah? It was a simple matter to have all Calhoun numbers routed to my desk. Uh, hold the receiver away from your ear. Yes. Uh, hello? Hello. Mrs. Calhoun? I say, my man, who are you? Hey, Sidney, can you trace it? We've tried. No use. Well, okay. I'll be seeing you. O'Hara, if you plan trying to find Mrs. Calhoun... I do. I warn you. I've always considered that woman potentially dangerous. <laughs> Sidney, what woman isn't? I walked to the rickshaw stand, remembering Mrs. Calhoun. She was British, maybe 31. When I'd known her before, she'd made her living circulating among the waterfront guys. She'd wear soft sole ballet-type slippers, carry a piece of chalk, and she'd get some seaman to draw a long line on the saloon floor. Then, poising herself on her toes at one end, she turned a forward flip in the air, landing on her feet exactly at the other end of the line. 
course, some joker would always draw another chalk line, shorter. What was her name? When she'd earned enough drinks, she called herself Mrs. Calhoun. Anyway, I finally managed to talk a coolie Chinese into pulling his rickshaw through the heat. And we'd just started when a skinny man with eyes like vegetable soup jumped in the rickshaw beside me. He was shaking with nerves. Howard, Mr. Howard. Look, I'm not Mr. Howard. No, no, no. Howard, I am Howard. Well, that's great. Now, it's a little crowded, Mr. Howard. There were plenty of rickshaws back in the no, stands. No, no, I've, I've got to say it. Ask you. Ask me what? Oh, I, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Okay, you don't want to know what? Where, where is Mrs. Oh, what? Where, Mrs. Calhoun? What makes you think I'd know where Mrs. Calhoun is? Then you don't know. You don't know. See, now you can't say I didn't ask. Ask you. See? Now, wait, Howard. I want to talk. No, thank you, Mr. O'Hara. Mr. Howard disappeared into the sidewalk crowd. Strange little guy. Looked American, but his voice certainly wasn't the one I'd heard on the phone at Phelps' office. Something told me to get to Mrs. Calhoun's on the double. I flashed a pound note, and my rickshaw boy, wearing a water-soaked handkerchief over his shaved head, got the idea. About a mile past my hotel, we came to where Sing Wong Street closes in on itself. The Chinese temples, sagging hotels, and hovels all jammed together, with the street running suddenly out of sight into alleyways. That's where I found Mrs. Calhoun, off an alley... The door opened to let in a little air. She was bending over a pasteboard suitcase. Oh, 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 sorry. I didn't mean to make you knock your suitcase off the bed. Who are you? I'm O'Hara. Don't you remember? Get out. Or oh, at least let me pick up your suitcase. Don't touch it. Hell, yeah. Uh, you might have broke my bottle I got packed. You might have... Oh, no. It looks all right. Well, what do you want with me? Six weeks ago, I did a newspaper story about you. Remember now? No, I... I ain't seen you before. Sure you have. You remember. Yeah. Seems lately I ain't got the memory I used to have for faces. Sure, sure. Well, why... Why don't you sit down? All right, thanks. I ain't got no cup, but, uh... <laughs> if you take a nip from this bottle... No, no, thanks. I... That is, unless you'll join me, Mrs. Calhoun. Mrs. Calhoun? <laughs> See, there was a time I'd have... Had to have a whole bottle because, well, before I called myself that. Now, listen carefully. In my newspaper story, I mentioned how you sometimes called yourself by that name. You did what? A feature story in papers read around the world. Oh. Uh, oh, so that's it, huh? Now, I think someone's in Hong Kong looking for you. Well, why do you think I'm packing? Why do you think I've got to get out? What was the trouble that brought you here? Oh. He's an ugly man, you know. Ugly? To them that can't see him for his face. What do you mean? Who's ugly? First, I... I was afraid of his face. Like all the rest. Tell me about it, huh? Then I... I got so I... I wanted to see that face. Feel it with my fingers. Yeah. Then... You know what? He thought I was in love with him. You weren't? Sometimes when, when he talked to me in that, that voice of his, I'd be looking straight on his face, but not seeing it. A soft voice, maybe? 
Low? Was I 19? Or was it 20? <laughs> then everybody began laughing at us. Laughed, they did, and called me by his name like maybe I was his wife. Now, Mrs. Calhoun... All of you are laughing. He was born with something you'll never be. Easy, easy. No. No, he's... He's come for me. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me, Mrs. Calhoun, if you love him, why are you afraid? Come for me. And I... I look like this. Oh, I see. Well, you know, when I used your story, I left you some money. You need any more? Money? Yeah. And maybe, maybe if I, if I fixed up a bit, huh? Sure, here, take this. Yeah, I'll, I'll just get fixed up. A little something to maybe wear around my neck, huh? I have got a little line there, huh? <laughs> and you know where to find Mr. Calhoun? Yes. Coming home. Early this morning. I, I saw the place he stays. Then you're going to see him? Just to say hello. Proper. Like a lady. I guess there were more questions I could have asked her, but there didn't seem to be any point to it now. But going back to my hotel, I realized that I had figured out one thing. Mrs. Calhoun had been with a circus. Her tumbling act in the saloons, plus the way she described Calhoun, had set that up in my mind. And the clincher? Well, I knew that a small traveling tent show had moved in on a vacant lot near Hong Kong just three days ago. Calhoun would be with that show. But I wanted to keep out of it now. That is, until I reached my hotel room and found my phone ringing. Somehow, I... I knew it would be on the other end of that line. I dreaded to pick it up. But I had to. began to fit into the picture. Sure, maybe I've made a mistake about Mrs. Calhoun. I hurried back to her room, but she was gone. Suitcase, everything. There was only one place to check now, the circus. I found the seedy tents on the once vacant lot. The banner read, The Great Armenian Gypsies All-American Show. And in a small shed on wheels, I found the huge Armenian himself wearing a soiled Hamburg and a cigar. He was selling tickets. I bought one and asked where I'd find Mr. Calhoun. Who told you we got Mr. Calhoun, Papi? Uh, haven't you? Wrong show. We got nobody named Mr. You Calhoun. You sure? You nice fella. You go away. How do I say Mr. Calhoun? <laughs> I'm not used to being called a liar, Papi. I'm not used to being called Papi. Here's your money back. It's clubbering up to a store. You don't want to get caught in a tent in a store. You the owner of the show? The great Armenian gypsy? Pure gypsy, Papi. Now go away. Not till I talk to Calhoun. Okay, okay, you win. Calhoun is in the caravan car. Thanks. Which one? One without windows. Right over there. Thank you. All right. Step right up. Yeah, this must be it. Close the door. Sure, Mr. Calhoun. Thank you. You know me? 
In the dark like this, I have to go by the voice. Sure, I know you. Yeah. And I... I you. I take one pace forward and then... and feel to the side with your left hand. Feel the chair? Yeah. Sit down, please. You, uh... You phoned my hotel, Mr. Calhoun. Why? Was it because... You're O'Hara, newspaper man. And you read my article on a woman who calls herself Mrs. Calhoun. I should have had him search for you the moment we arrived here. You say him? That couldn't be a nervous little man with funny eyes. (laughs) You're so descriptive. A geek. Yeah. My friend. A geek, huh? But his real name is Howard. Uh Uh-huh. A geek. Sideshow feature. Yeah, I saw a poster advertising him out front. He dresses as a wild man from Borneo, and the management throws him a live chicken at each and every performance. My best friend. I see. No. No, you, you don't see. Living as I must, always surrounded by blank walls, is my perambulation. My only contact with the, the outside. And he's been helping you find Mrs. Calhoun? Yes. I'm sorry, but I get the feeling he doesn't want to find her. Oh, he, he's, he's over-anxious. And something more, Morgan. I know the girl you call Mrs. Calhoun isn't your wife. She is my wife. Not according to her. But this may interest you. I think she's on her way down here now. Oh, she, she's coming to me? Yeah. Each rose cradles a moon of blood. To seek it, you must destroy the rose. I've never heard those lines before. No, they're mine. He said she's coming to see me. That's what she told me. Well, then, then you must stand outside and intercept her as I perform my act. Why? You haven't yet seen me, O'Hara. I don't want her to become frightened. She may have forgotten. Look, Calhoun, why don't you turn the light on? No. No. Take time to know me, O'Hara. Okay. But one more question. When you made those calls, why'd you always hang up? (laughs) Living alone, my my ears have become exceptionally keen to, to nuance. Each case, when I get an answer, I... I knew by the tone of voice that she wasn't there. No, I... I almost believe him. You do believe me. Here, O'Hara. What's this? British shilling worth a few pennies American. What for? In a few moments, I change from a person to an act. That's the price of admission. I turned and left the darkened caravan wagon. Outside, I saw where the back of the wagon was attached to the sideshow tent. Calhoun had his own private entrance and exit. I looked around for Mrs. Calhoun with no luck. Then I played my way into the sideshow. It was filling up with a typically mixed oriental crowd. One large woman was standing nursing a child in the front row. Then the Armenian gypsy took the stage and made his pitch. Prepare. Prepare to witness the most awe-inspiring, terrifying spectacle of the ages. Eleven years and ten days ago, while I was touring the parched desert of the Lebanon, I happened upon the most terrifying, unknown, 
unopened grave since the world began. I dug, and what did I find? A grave lined with seven pieces of silver. Yes. Now I pull the drawstring, and you see the face that suffers even in death. The mummified head of Judas Iscariot. Someone went into hysterics. The head was thrust up through a hole into the fraudulent velvet box, but it wasn't Morgan Calhoun. It was a woman staring straight at me, motionless, eyes open wide. She was dead. It was Mrs. Calhoun. CBS is bringing you O'Hara, the adventures of a freelance correspondent in the far places of the world. Tonight, from Hong Kong, a story titled, The Judas Face. A wind was rising out of the west. Fat black clouds were coming in high and slow across the bay from Indochina. But the feeling of dread I'd had hadn't come from the thick weather as I first thought it might in a roundabout way, Morgan Calhoun's anonymous phone calls had brought back the woman he called his wife, Mrs. Calhoun, only for her to be stabbed to death. In the crowd's confusion, it took me time to get back to Morgan Calhoun's wagon, but Morgan Calhoun was missing. I went through the inside passageway back to the sideshow stage. The body of Mrs. Calhoun was missing, too. I put through a call to Commissioner Phelps. He arrived ten minutes later, and I told him the whole story, all I knew. Hmm... And you say these are Morgan Calhoun's quarters, eh? Like I said, no windows. And, of course, no mirrors. You've talked to the owner, the Armenian gypsy, and Howard? Yes. They're both pretty broken up about this. Oddly enough, they rather like this man, Calhoun. He's not so bad. But careful interrogation has revealed he had logical reason for finding and killing the woman. Why, Sidney? It seems they were rather close some 11 years ago. That she ran away and left him. So he finally found her and killed her because he loved her. And received, shall we say, his complete revenge by placing her where her head would be publicly displayed, as his had been. Uh, maybe. At any rate, my men have scoured the grounds. Both Morgan and the body of the woman still missing. Where would they go? The native quarter, likely. Disappearance is easily managed there. In any event, that's where I intend to search. Sidney, I don't think Calhoun's guilty. We shall see, O'Hara. We shall see. Phelps left to begin his search at the native quarter, but I had other ideas. There were too many places around a tent show where a body could be hidden, and Calhoun had known them all. I went to the office of the gypsy. Empty. But I happened to notice the pictures on the walls, faded photographs of the circus in better days, evidently much better days. And I saw something else. One of the pictures was of a bareback rider leaping from one horse to another. It was pretty clear who she was. I went outside. It was getting dark, and the tents were flapping in the rising wind. I waited, and I saw the geek slip out from behind two wagons and start down the street. I followed. He went some six blocks, then turned in at the office of a marriage broker. The office belonged to a guy named Olin Marquine. I waited till Howard came out, then I went in. O'Hara, my friend. Hello, Owen. Aha, you finally find the little girl you like, yes? Uh, I'm not here to get married. No waiting here. All in six, license. That little guy that just left. Ah, he not get married either. <laughs> smart fellow like you. Uh, I'm not so smart that way. Well, Olin Makina reigns snappy divorce, too. What the little fellow want? Oh, I could not preach a confidence, O'Hara. Okay, okay. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, but then he did not swear me to secrecy. He hired me to perform a marriage ceremony tonight. Marriage? I'm to be at the carnival with my briefcase at nine o'clock sharp. Who are you supposed to marry? Oh, he would not tell me, but I can fill in official documents after affair. Mm, if you're not too nervous to hold a pen. Only making nervous. <laughs> Only with women. Wait until one minute after nine. Maybe you'll change your mind. Hmm? I went back to the tent show. All the lights were up. I searched among the tents and the small boxes on the wheels that served for living quarters, trying to find the one that belonged to Howard. No luck. Then I heard a metallic rattle and saw a slender figure passing nearby. I stepped quickly over and found, about to take a tray of hot food into a dumpy box on wheels, Howard the Geek. I almost dropped. Listen, is Morgan inside your wagon? You stay away from them now. And he's in there, huh, with her? Please, leave him be. Before I go in, I want to know one thing. Why did the Armenian's big-time circus go broke? Oh, it was never a big-time circus. All right, but why did it go broke? Because, because she, she stole all the money and ran away with it. Mrs. Calhoun? How would you know that isn't the truth? Yes, she, she was the bareback rider. She stole all the money. Okay, Howard. Look, I want you to do something. What? Go find the gypsy. Bring him here. It's important. You're going in? Yeah. Oh, I'll be back. I'll be back. Please tell him I'm his best friend. Who is Not Howard Morgan. O'Hara. O'Hara. The light switch is by the door. Yeah, I see it. I turned the light off. I don't feel like giving a performance. The light stays on. I'm not used to talking to a man's back. Hey, you want me to turn and face you? It's about time we talk face to face. All right, you keep warning this. All right. I'll turn. Why don't you gasp like my public? I've been around, Morgan. Maybe too much. I've seen too many people who had nice faces and nothing else. These things. Howard I... said the woman was in here. He... Where is she? Behind this? No, don't, don't. Don't, don't go behind that curtain. Look, I know you didn't kill her. She came back to me. I, I guess we weren't ever really married before. We will be now. Morgan, i got to tell you something and rather not. Eleven years ago, this was a fairly big circus. Eleven years ago, she ran away. The circus went broke overnight. Oh, they say she took the money. She's been living in Hong Kong in eleven years, broke. Not a dime. Well, then, she didn't take the money. She, she was running away from me. Morgan, there's something you know, but you won't believe. What? A face doesn't make a man. Yeah, but if she didn't take it, who, who did? You're aboard, my friend. You're still with us. Howard. Howard, maybe you'd better talk now about what really happened 11 years ago, huh? Yes. I. I took the money, Morgan. So she would be blamed and go. Go away. Away from you. You took the money? I, I was lonely, Morgan. You took my money? I never spent it, Gypsy. It's under my bed. Always I thought. She did it. I, I thought so, Gypsy. Revenge. You killed her, Gypsy. It was a mistake. Geeks steal my money. 
Oh, he goes now. No, no, Gypsy. See, I... I have a gun, too. Careful, Morgan. Once all, all of us, your performance, saved to buy this gun. It took a long time. You're not a man. You no shoot nothing. We chose lots to see who would kill you. I, I took the gun to stop them. I made a mistake. Morgan, then you go first. <laughs> I feel bad. It's all over, Morgan. Gypsy's dead. I, I never killed before. Morgan, give me your gun. Oh, have you been hit? Now, you see, O'Hara, I shoot the gypsy. You, you saw the gypsy wasn't dead. I killed him. You, you saw. Howard. Sure, Howard. I saw. And I'll remember. Well, that about put 30 to my story. I called Commissioner Phelps from the telephone in Morgan's caravan car... Told them everything, then went back to my hotel to try and sleep. The next day, it was cool and clear after the rains. Now, back in Commissioner Phelps' office, I watched him plug in his hot plate to brew his favorite oolong tea. Tea, old boy? Yeah, thanks, Sidney. It's been kind of chilly. Here we are. Storm's running out. So it is. Uh, Phelps. Yes, old boy? What are you going to do about Morgan Calhoun? What you mean to say is... Who really killed the gypsy? Morgan Calhoun or Howard? Well, no matter who did it, I'd call it self-defense. Hmm, possibly. But there's really nothing I can do. Now? What do you mean? My men informed me that at precisely 7.10 this morning, a man answering the description of Morgan Calhoun was seen ascending the gangplank of the SS President Grant, obviously en route to the United States. You mean he was out walking in the daylight? So I am informed. And I'm afraid his extradition will be quite impossible. Yeah, but, uh, Sidney, if the ship left this morning, your men had plenty of time to pick him up. Well, sometimes, O'Hara, the wheels of justice grind exceeding slow. Hmm. But like the mills of the guards, Commissioner, sometimes they grind exceeding fine. <laughs> Jack Moyles in the title role, with Byron Kane as Commissioner Phelps. Others in the cast were Anne Stone, Sidney Miller, Fritz Feld, Edgar Barrier, and Ira Gosell. O'Hara is written by Gilbert Thomas and is produced and directed each Sunday night at 8.30 by Tommy Tomlinson and Sterling Tracy for CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Welcome back. This is one of those series where it has all of these sort of 
echoes of Rocky Jordan in it that it's kind of weird. It's it is like if Rocky Jordan were a uh, news correspondent, right down to our hero having a non-alcoholic drink with uh, the uh, authority figure. But they did make a big change. It's tea rather than coffee. But other than the writing of the newspaper story playing a role, this really could have been an episode of Rocky Jordan. Moyles would return to Rocky Jordan in 1952 and 53, and he would actually come back to this series in 1956 after a serialized revival of Rocky Jordan was decided against. In 1956, the series actually aired nationally over CBS, though Moyles only appeared for seven weeks in programs that aired between May 20th and July 1st. It's also worth noting that Moyles had another series that was much more of an adventure series uh, where he played a reporter called uh, Douglas of the World. We played one of those episodes as an app extra. And we also played an episode of The Whistler from uh, 1955, where he played a foreign correspondent uh, assigned to the Far East, uh, who essentially ended up committing murder. And I wonder, you know, because th there was one episode of The Whistler Jack Webb uh, was in where I, I thought the character was the evil uh, uh, Jeff Regan. And maybe in that episode of The Whistler, uh, Jack Moyles was playing uh, the evil O'Hara. It is also worth noting that uh, for this week and next week, we will actually be playing a majority CBS programs with O'Hara, Man Called X, Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, and Indictment all being CBS shows. Now, we do have one more episode with uh, Jack Moyle's successor in the role, and we'll talk about that next week. Now, I do want to go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Susan, Patreon supporter since September 2017, currently supporting us at the detective sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Susan. And that will do it for today. Join us back here tomorrow for The Man Called X, and then next Tuesday, our last episode of O'Hara. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.